You're listening to 1001 Album Club, where each episode we discuss a different album from Robert Demery's book, 1001 Albums You Must Hear Before You Die. episode we'll be talking about iron butterfly in agata davida in the room i have rob hello john hello adam hey. and ben so in agata davida is the second studio album by the san diego rock band iron butterfly released june 14th 1968 on atco records the producer was jim hilton and the genre is acid rock psychedelic rock and hard rock and i'm going to read from uh, the book, Manish Argua. Formed in San Diego in 1960, Iron Butterfly blended hard rock with ornate, acid-friendly textures. They cut their debut LP as a quintet, but by the time the aptly named Heavy was released, three members had left. Singing keyboardist Doug Engel and drummer Ron Bushy opted to carry on, recruiting teenage guitarist Eric Braun and bass player Lee Dorman. Late one night, Bushy came home from his job as a pizza chef to find that Engel, the son of a church organist, had sunk a belly full of red wine and composed a new song. Too drunk to speak properly, Engel slurred the title, which Bushy wrote down phonetically. And so it was that In the Garden of Eden became known as Inagata Davida. Originally a ballad, the band developed a track on the road, eventually recording the lysergic leviathan of droning guitar, mystical organ, and exploratory drum solo, Inagata DeVito was a huge hit with the nascent FM radio format. A top 30 single edit emphasized the song's proto-metal riff and enigmatic vocals, while the full-length version gave DJs time to go to the bathroom. All right, what do we think of <coughs> the album, Inagata DeVito? Um, I didn't like it. Uh, let me dial that back a little bit. I never got red wine drunk and wrote Inagata DeVito, so... Automatically, that makes them much better <laughs> musicians than me. Okay. Um, and I, no, I, I didn't, I didn't hate it. Uh, the lyrics are stupid, though. Like the the lyricist, the way he says "girls" and the way that he writes lyrics sucks. But everything else his, like, uh, is actually pretty all right. His vocal persona that he's doing, like the fake voice that he's singing, uh, in, right? He, he is he very this. silly. Like, yeah, no, it's like very unnatural. And so affected that it takes you out of the song, which it, which like if you had a slightly like, you know, more innocuous like vocal choice, it wouldn't have been 
It wouldn't sound so silly when it sounds silly. I never looked him up, like, doing live stuff. I don't know if, like, he was, like, a maniac, like, uh, vaudevillian showman on stage, and that's why he was doing the affectation, but it doesn't translate well to this. It seems like, theoretically, he'd be tied to the organ, so he wouldn't really be able to be a vaudevillian maniac. maniac. Well, say, Uh, Elton John is a vaudevillian maniac. (laughs) Talk to me about Keith Emerson, sir. Um, But, no, the... Uh, the reason why I brought up the girl thing, and I thought it was really fucking funny, um, was that the first song on here, Settle Down, he keeps saying girl, like, a whole bunch, and then if you listen to the album in order, Flowers and Beads comes in, and he says girl again, and I thought it yeah. was going to be this whole, like, first five songs of, like, yeah. him doing that. It wasn't that great. Uh, mixing was weird. Did anybody... Uh, uh, I, I don't know if my... I didn't think it sounded that great. The Especially the first song... Um, the most anything you want, the bass was just so fucking busy and directly, like, in the middle, and things were panned off. Like, just real weird. I did notice a substantial jump when it got to Inagata DeVita. Like, that song seemed to be mixed just, like, really tight, yeah, and could, all the like other songs were just like, yeah. Well, but like, like you would expect in... <laughs> that it was recorded at the same time. I've always heard that, uh, like... Track one, side B, supposed to be like the the best song on the record, mm-hmm. and I can honestly say that, that it is the case for, <laughs> for this record. Um, yeah, I, I I think musically it's pretty cool stuff, but just the uh, it it still has a little too much of the flower power vibe to it with a, the lyrics. A surprising amount. I it, I hadn't heard this forever because I had this record like from a parent or something, and I remember listening to it back then, not being that into it, but like. I didn't remember it being like quite so hippy dippy. Yeah. Like I, I you think of Andaga DeVita and you think about like I think Slayer covered that song. Yeah. Yes, like, a much better version of it. Well, too. and it's just like it's because of the proto metal quality of it, you're picturing it maybe like a little more like a Black Sabbath or something in your head when you if you just think about it and haven't heard it for a decade. But this is just this sounds very like it sounds like you know what it is, which is just after the doors and mm-hmm. just after like the massive influence of the San Francisco scene. It sounds and, like a very good middle school band playing <laughs> a rock song. That's, a, I, that's what I wrote down. I wrote wow. shit, really? Yeah. <laughs> nice. I wrote down, sounds like a middle schooler compared to the Slayer cover. Yeah, um, that, that's what I wrote. Wow. Sounds like a high school band or maybe college band. Like they just. <laughs> <laughs> With the exception of maybe the the last song, but even that, it just seems like a lot of stuff is remedial, and then the ideas that they present are just bare bones of of songs. It's catchy stuff. It's it's the sort of thing that you would write when you're younger, where, where it's like, oh, this is very catchy, but the lyrics are just kind of silly, and uh, there's not a lot a to lot, hold on to. Yeah, there's not a lot of substance there. If I've, they hadn't had a, a surprise hit with Inagata DeVita, would we ever have heard of Iron Butterfly? Possibly. I mean, Blue Cheer is is similar. They were in San Diego, and I think there were a lot of bands. They, they must have had enough of a presence to to get this, like, live, or to get to get on a major label. Yeah. Although Atco's not Atco's, really a yeah. major label. Hmm. Baby steps. Yeah. I think I think that's an interesting question. Is you know, this this sort of landmark seventeen minute song? Is it? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That like that definitely pushed some boundaries. Is is their most obviously most notable contribution that most people are aware of? 
I wonder, yeah, I wonder when listening to the rest of this record is like, is it their only contribution? Mm -hmm. yeah. well, if you're going to be a one-hit wonder, you might as well make it almost 20 minutes long. <laughs> but sure. the, the book describes the drum solos and, and other parts of that song as exploratory. And when has exploratory ever been a good adjective for anything that you want? Like, oh, how's the surgery? Oh, it's exploratory. They're just fucking digging around in my guts. They'll see what they find. I don't, nope. it, it's never good. Some of the, the, the jazz fans around this table yeah. might, might yeah. beg to differ. I, I'm with you, though. <laughs> it's uh, Inigata De Vida is I think unequivocally the best song on this album and it is the entire second side of the of the record uh, and that's not usually a quality that we <laughs> appreciate yeah. in this group Let's, yeah, I'm just yeah. bringing that up because every other time there's been a long song we're all like oh my god yeah, I prefer yeah. the radio edit Honestly, I, sure. yeah, I yeah. listened to the radio edit first by accident because I clicked on Spotify to the song not to the album and I was like, oh, all right. And then I looked, I was like, oh, that was like three minutes long. Yeah. <laughs> the radio edit, I think everybody can appreciate because it takes the best parts of the song, which are the beginning and the end. But when's the DJ going to poop, John? Well, yeah. the DJ has a lot of different song choices to poop to. And I do appreciate that he can put that one on and, and, and go and poop and not have to worry about coming back or, or worrying about it changing to another song. So I feel I, like I like that for, comment in the book that that's like giving time for the DJ to take a break. It's like... You could build a bathroom. <laughs> you could remodel in the time that song took. I mean, do you think that the the song got heavy radio play for a bunch of DJs that needed to shit? No. no. Conspiracy I, I, theory. I, I think it's just like an anecdote. Well, I mean, but it's uh. also true. I mean, have you, in the olden days of listening to FM radio, there would occasionally be the 17-minute version of Inagata De Vida. I think swap out, go to the bathroom with go out and smoke, and you're probably right. Well, either way, yeah. Uh -huh. I mean, when the when the DJ needs a break and yeah. you're playing actual records, you I need think, a song that, that lasts 17 minutes. I think it's more because the it was a very popular song, and, like, sure, the radio edit was popular, but it's like you can throw in the big one every once in a while because it's popular enough. Well, to know? sell, I mean, to talk about selling actual albums, I mean, this sold 30 million copies. Ooh, really? So it's the first record that went platinum? Yeah. So I've heard that. First. First go platinum. So, okay, so let's just talk about that briefly because I couldn't get a solid lockdown on that. So gold is 100,000? It's 500,000 is gold, 1 million is platinum, and 10 million is diamond. Yeah. And that's U.S. only. Yeah. It's different depending by country. Yeah. Yeah, but it has been said, and it may be true, that this is the first album to go... Platinum. Platinum. Yeah. Yeah, so sell one million copies, which is surprising because I see it sometimes in, you know, Dusty Bins, but not all the time. Right. I see a lot of other albums Yeah, for making so of many this. of them, I don't see us It went that. four times platinum. Four million. Man, I, I guess all these diehard Ibu fans are just <laughs> holding on to their records, so. not letting them turn over. I guess so. Just playing them every day. <laughs> But it, it makes you think, you know, how 
is there anything else on this album that you would want to buy this album for besides no, the, song, the song is literally the album yeah i think uh, i think just, everybody agrees been, side one could have just also been side two and it probably would have sold as many copies yeah if you just come out the gate with inagata devita for 17 minutes yeah and then you flip it over and you got inagata devita for 17 minutes you scratch one side oh, just, you still oh. got a side ah I see what you're saying. Just double it up. I think that I think that the Picture album disc. sales would not have been all that different. I agree. Yeah. By the way, if you're if you happen to be listening to this and you disagree about Inagata Devita being really the only notable thing, I would like to hear people's favorite Iron Butterfly <laughs> deep cut <laughs> or B side. <laughs> There's no B. There's only one B side. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Their favorite B side. <laughs> so, so when when favorite they were A side. <laughs> so when they released a single of, of of their only song of note, I guess it would have to be a 12 inch single, right? I to guess f- so. If they were to do it, yeah. Well, that's a and funny then on the thought. other side, you might as well just put the same song again. Yeah. And that's a really funny thought <laughs> that like you couldn't release there's it no on a 45. Yeah. yeah. You couldn't even release well, you it. You can do a 45 at 33. Not, no, you can't get no. it. No, because no? It, this is you a 12-inch at 33. You could do a 10-inch. It's like the loosest terms is it's like 20 minutes for a, a, a full-size record at 33. So, like, it barely fits on just one side of a 12-inch record. It You could sneak it onto a 10-inch record at lower quality, but probably wouldn't advise it. I think we so wait. you definitely can't get on forty five, which I think has a seven minute max. I think that we just uncovered something. I think we cracked the case. So the song did they ever release like a radio edit single of this? It's like to not to just to DJs, but to the masses. If they didn't, then the only way to get this hit song is to buy the whole album. Exactly. Any other popular single that's come out, people have the option: Do you want to want to buy the whole album, or do I just want to buy the song? Which if that's not wow. an option, would add to album sales. Right. If the song is the album. If the song is the album. Well, and it's also, there's a certain sort of, like, buyer's value to it, where it's like, well, it is a 17-minute song. You yeah. know, it's like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. there's a bargain kind of... It, it comes well, directly the, after buyer's even, remorse. Right. But, yeah. <laughs> but even if you don't like those other five songs... They did have a single version, which oh, is did? the three-minute version. Oh, okay, yeah. well, yeah. that's moot. I like that theory, though. Yeah. When was that released? That's good a good question. Yeah. I think it was similar. I think it was the same year. Oh, in the 60s? Yeah. yeah. And they had to press it for the DJs anyway. Makes sense. They just make um, more. I did do a breakdown of what goes on within the song, and it seemed so regimented. Like when I was tracking what happens, like start the song, two thirty organ solo, three thirty guitar solo, five minutes in bass starts playing some different stuff, six basically six thirty drum solo, seven thirty gets real quiet, eight phase drums, nine thirty organ solo. It like goes wow. on a skip like beat for beat throughout the entire song it seems like they had they knew exactly when to shift when somebody's focus would be starting it's to, probably to like, lose it you know 16 measures or something and then they flip and so then, yeah. it was yeah. created in some incense scented lab yeah <laughs> exactly and i think that's the that's why it was so <laughs> with paisley furniture <laughs> <laughs> It got out there as they started doing this on the road and they tested every, you know, every element. When yeah. someone started getting bored, they would switch it to some, you know, it's like yeah. they really regimented that one song and they they kind of perfected well, doing it 
that long. And it paid off in spades. Well, sort of. Some people find it pretentious and I mean, but it sold, what, <laughs> 30 million, 30 million? To date. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. They did something right, I guess. How many of these songs have the verse or the chorus begin with the word girl? That two. was the... <laughs> just only the two, two? Just the two. Are you sure? Believe you me, I was listening I mean, real to hard. To be fair, like... that's still 30% of the album. Huh. True. <laughs> Yeah, I was, uh, I, I, uh, when it happened on the first it two songs, the... I was like, holy shit, please let this happen on every Wait, song. Wait, which song it's so are we stupid. on right now? Uh, we're Wait, on it's... Flowers and Beads. Oh, okay, do we restart? Girl, girl! Okay, I see, I see. But anyway, it's just, there's a lot of that girl <laughs> so going on. Right. <laughs> so bad. Uh, it's just, all I it's, it's the same thing that uh, drives me crazy in modern music is, Right now, the trend is in the thing that they're calling Americana right now. The women are singing like this, and it's like, yeah, it's just very. When you start to hear it, you're like, how do you get so many people to change the way that they sing? That's clearly not how they talk, and it's like how there's so many people doing it all at the same time. I mean, that's one of the things I have to say that's so fascinating about this project is, and the San Francisco scene, you just see how all these people just glom onto a style, especially a vocal style. You'll hear that a lot. And suddenly, you got hundreds of bands all singing the exact same way and like doing the same sort of phrasing with their, with their lyrics and whatnot. And it's so wild to see that those trends explode like this. I get why people talk about the 60s in San Francisco as this big deal because it obviously affected a lot of people. It just goes to show like how, how many followers there are out there ready to go, though. I mean, Mass psychosis, man. It's mm-hmm. wild. Pack mentality. Did you guys notice uh, the organist copping a whole lot on the doors, like going through this? Like... I mean, it's very, yeah, it's hard not to do that that same sort of style. There was a song that sounded I mean, like that. It'd be hard to be a lead organist in California in 1968. Southern California. And not be influenced by Ray Manzarek. Yeah. Is this a concept album? I've read that it is. People have said that. What's the concept? The concept of selling an album on one song? I think the concept. <laughs> That's a pretty con. interesting concept. Oh. I think the concept. Conception. I mean, people, I think, use that loosely because the song is so long and it explores different areas of of where a song's going within a band format. I mean, this is. I have to give them credit. This is kind of the first first time a rock band has you know, taken on that sort of jazz mentality of like, now we're going to pull it over, pass it off to you. You're going to do your instrumental. Now we're going to pass it off to somebody. They're going to do their instrumental. Which is why I kind of like equated it with the middle schooler thing, because it really does sound like people who aren't used to melding that way, which is why you were saying the whole regiment thing, like, and one, two, three, go. One, yeah. two, three, go. Yeah, a bit. As opposed to like when you hear that jazz stuff, it's like it's way more challenging. And you're like, wait, 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 wait. That was a weird time to switch. Or where? Yeah, I think that's and that's. I mean, the, I mean, they, they don't seem as saying, in sync with with another performer. They haven't been. I don't think, even though they're very good at. You know, doing those different parts, I don't think they're connecting on that level. That, that's that so funny, and that's why what happens on. when when rock music attempts to use elements often 
It's it's if you try to use a jazz element, like rock is very rigid. It's very orderly. I think that's the funny thing that people don't think about is like you think that rock is like this free thing uh-uh. that it's like, but I mean that it's like oh it's just a bunch of people just like you know with long hair just rocking out and just having a good old time. It's like extremely orderly. There's there's not that many parts and then you follow the rules and you play the song, but like jazz is very different than that. And this is what you get when you apply that jazz mentality to the um, to the rock format is that you can actually see the pattern. Like you can just be like, and now this many bars of this, and then, okay, moving on to the next person, moving on to the next person. And I think it just shows like how much more rigid the structure is. Yeah, it's fucking is. stiff, man. The, these stiff. assholes, they, they don't know how to, they have no, like their hips are fused. They, yeah. can't, they can't dance. <laughs> Like, yeah. the butt does not shake. There's not a lot of risk no. in there. That's the, a lot of riffs. Yeah. <laughs> There's one riff, and it's pretty good. It's, it's a good riff. It's a pretty good riff. <laughs> it, is, it is one riff. For, for a drunk and organ is, player, that's a pretty, pretty good, good riff. I'll <laughs> do. <laughs> do you guys know the uh, the Woodstock story about Iron Butterfly? Yeah. So, Tell me. Uh, so they were supposed to play Woodstock. I mean, shit, this album was huge. Uh, but they got stuck at LaGuardia, I guess, with traffic and things. They couldn't find a way to Woodstock, New York. So their manager was like, fuck this, we're Iron Butterfly. You send us a helicopter right now. And this is all done by telegram. <laughs> he said "He said to send a helicopter right now, take us directly to Woodstock. They will play immediately when we land. Then they will be paid, get back on the helicopter, be flown away. That was, that was yeah. what the manager demanded. And yeah. so... Uh, the Woodstock production coordinator, John Morris, uh, claims that he sent the manager a telegram. And so, you know, telegrams have sort of chopped uh, verbal sections. Yeah, exactly. So it it goes, for reasons I can't go into, stop. Until you are here, stop. Clarifying your situation, stop. Knowing you are having problems, stop. You will have to find, stop. Other transportation, stop. Unless you plan not to come. Which is an acrostic, which spells out "fuck you" if you take out every first letter of every sentence. Oh, <laughs> we got a comedian, which is pretty genius. It's really good. Yeah. As to like old timey oh, <laughs> middle man. fingers sent across wow. space I didn't and know time, that. that's pretty good. <laughs> old, the old telegram, fuck you. Yeah. Yeah. Like the structure of Inagata de Vida and how it's all mm-hmm. this, 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 and this. Like if you fast forward fucking five years, whenever uh, Carry On My Wayward Son came out, same thing for the breakdown, but somehow melded correctly. Like not yeah. nearly as like clunky with the uh, mechanical the feels a lot bigger too. Yeah, for what but it's I mean worth. it's 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 basically the same thing that they're doing on these trade offs. I think they figured it out a little bit. I mean, this is sort sort of. This is the beginning, and I think people like Black Sabbath and Yes and those other pr- proggy bands started to figure out, oh, 
a bit took this and, yeah. and figured it out. I'll do more with it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, they were the first. So what are you going to do? Listen right. to Blue Cheer instead. <laughs> I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm actually going to give this one a negative. I Ooh, think that... Negging. I think that Inagata De Vida is an important song in music history. I also think it kind of rocks. But we're not talking about songs that rock. We're talking about albums that you must listen to before you die. And this is a single you must listen to before you die. Yeah, I'm the same. I... Ba- basically you just said exactly what i was gonna say uh. is is that it's the album the song's fine but yeah it just sounds a little hokey it sounds silly i think this i was thinking about it this song might be have the worst me listening to it with modern ears from from the time it came out to listening to with modern ears it sounds the most just dated and i can't get into it yeah, I wrote down uh, stale psychedelia. Yeah. What do you think, Rob? Um, yeah, I'm going to go negative. I didn't hate a lot of the musical stuff, but the fucking vocals and the lyrics are, are terrible, and they're poorly delivered, and you don't want to ever listen to it again after the... You don't ever want to listen to it, period, but then once you listen to it, you never want to listen to it again. Uh, listen to the Slayer cover of uh, <laughs> And the God of the Vita and be a better person for it. I'm going to go neutral on it. The songs aren't pure turds, uh, which is usually what I require to, to go all the way <laughs> next. It's like, it has to hurt me. And it, it doesn't hurt me. I just I just don't like it. And uh, Rob's <laughs> right. The musicianship, if you look at the musicianship just on its own, it's actually pretty darn good. The The vocals are, are not good. Uh, but I wouldn't turn this off if it happened to be around because it was, it was making me want to cry. Uh, for me... You know, I'm like waffling between neutral and negative. Um, Waffles. I don't... <laughs> Waffle positive. I just don't care about this at all. Even <laughs> uh, yes. the Well, it's just like, I, I think my honest opinion is I will not listen to this ever again. I I think it got worse in, with time in my estimation uh, from when I heard it as like a teenager learning how to play guitar and learning the riff or, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, I... But, you know... I'm torn between acknowledging the like the contribution of that riff to a lot of like early sort of st- the stuff that I like, you know, I mean, I, some of, some of the guitar bands that I like probably heard this and, and cared. I would like, I'm almost going neutral just out of knowing that this <laughs> was heard by many and, and influenced many but on a personal level, like, who cares? <laughs> like, <laughs> okay. Yeah, maybe maybe people should listen to the song Inagata Devita. I mean, yeah, the yeah, kind of kind of <laughs> listen to it and think about what it, what it reminds so you of that happened later. Yeah, you know, I yeah, think that's like yeah. if you if yeah if I was really gonna like make a recommendation, I'd be like spend the seventeen minutes, listen to it, and just try to think about all the things that that ring a bell from stuff that you know happened in the eighties or seventies that. You think, wow, if this really was this early on, then, you know, I wonder if so-and-so heard it or if they thought about this song when they were writing this song. And it's it's probably, like, the the best way to do it some honor without saying that somebody should have to listen to this whole record. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. at a certain point, like, it, we were discussing, like, would I ever recommend this to anybody? Yeah. And absolutely not. I mean, that's um, the, like the idea of recommending this side A is on like, an, an, an anthro- who would do that? Like a musical uh, anthropological—that might be a word. That is a word. Uh, yeah, 
Um, that only if you were digging really deep, like and really want to know. But even then, I'd fucking just be like, no, just listen to Blue Cheer, man. It's so much better. It, it's like yeah. so much better than this. Much more creative. Yeah. Anyway, hey. uh, I got a uh, a write up from somebody at Song Facts, John Williams. Thank you from Chattanooga, Tennessee. Here's the quote. Takes me back to junior high school. Used to hang out with four girls and their mom in a trailer park in Georgia. Bunch of us, guys and gals, just having fun. Nothing physical. Drinking Cokes and me playing <laughs> air drums. Got pretty good. Never tried real drums, even to this day. Don't know why. Maybe I discovered that it's harder than it looks. Maybe I could be a prodigy. <laughs> That's it. Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. That's who they influenced. That's like a Cormac McCarthy short story, man. Oh, oh that hurts. Oh, I'm uh, sorry about your life, dude. <laughs> <laughs> oh. All right, next time we'll be talking about the pretty things. SF Sorrow. All right, thanks, y'all.